0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. And the church said, amen. Good morning and welcome. My name is Rick Thompson, and indeed, Christ is our victory. We're going to be talking about that very same thing today. But we've been in a series that we've called the Names of God. The Names of God. And our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, um, he asked a question of his disciples, of his followers, a very important question. Matthew 16, verse 15, when he said, but what about you, he asked, who do you say that I am? And I said, last week, that's the... $64,000 $64,000 question indeed. Why did he ask it? He asked it because it was important for them to know and understand who he was. You see, at the time, some of them thought that he might have been Jeremiah or Elijah or one of the prophets. Some thought that he might have been John the Baptist, who had recently been beheaded, come back to life. But it was Peter, under the guidance of the, and the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, who, who, who said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Now, it was important for them to know that that's who he was and that's what he came to do. It wasn't just, he wasn't just another prophet or John the Baptist reincarnated. He was Christ, the Messiah. And now we start to understand what we can expect from him. As the Messiah, he comes to bring us eternal life he's come to bring us salvation and that's why we began this series so that uh, so that we too can know and understand how God reveals himself to humanity through the ages now someone might ask well pastor Rick I mean how does that affect me really how does that affect me or Mr. and Mrs. 2020 especially during all these things going on in the world I mean isn't Isn't the Bible an ancient text written to an ancient people about ancient things that don't pertain to anything going on today? And and I want to suggest to you that that's an incorrect assessment of what the Bible is. The Bible is timeless, and it's relevant, and it speaks to all the issues of what's taking place today. And so last week we looked in the book of Genesis, chapter 22, where we saw that, that God tested Abraham. By sending him to a region of Moriah to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac, whom he loved, on a mountain that he would choose. And Abraham, when he got the, uh, the order from God or the inspiration from God, he didn't question him, or at least the text doesn't say that he did. But, and he didn't decide, okay, at the last minute, you know what, God, I love my son, but maybe I could pick something else instead. A lot of times that's what you and I would do, or many people in the world. They they tend to, to to take what God has put his finger on and say, you know what, God, I like that. I like that a little bit too much. Can we bargain and perhaps you maybe I can give this away or that away? And we're not understanding why God is even putting us to that kind of a test. Listen to me. When God puts us to a test, it's because he's trying to see who you love more or what you love more, him or that item or that idol in your life. It's not to benefit him, it's to benefit us because sometimes we will lie to ourselves. Come on, somebody. We, we will believe our own press. We actually think that we're always putting God first in our resources when in fact or in reality, we're just reaching in and offering him the change left in our pockets. Every time we get paid, Pastor Rick, you don't understand. I got the cable bill, I got the car bill, I got to get my herd in, and we start padding our hair, right? Come on, somebody. I mean, quarantines got me like, whoa, when's the last time you've been out? And so we make excuses and we justify it. The Bible says to bring the first fruits or the whole tithe into the house of the Lord. And the principle is you make a priority of his house, he'll make a priority of yours. We actually think that he's first in our lives in our daily routine when our calendar says something totally different. Uh, If the bank statement reveals the truth about our resources and where we are spending our money, then your calendar reveals the truth about your routine. Now I can, always, I can already hear somebody in their spirit saying, "No, Pastor Ricky, no, I don't. I don't write down my routine, so so you're not going to be able to track me that way." But can I suggest to you that uh, whether I know what you're doing, or your wife knows what you're doing, or not, or your kids know what you're doing, or not, God knows what you're doing. <laughs> I'm just saying. And so, lastly, we think that. We've made him a priority in our relationships. When God has made it abundantly clear what he blesses and what the circumstances of his blessings will come and what he doesn't, what he calls uh, sanctified and what he calls sin. Now, the question is when God puts us to the test in these three important areas, are you passing or failing? Are you somewhere in between making excuses or rationalizations or justifications for your behavior? If you're like me, there's room to improve. Amen? And so like Abraham, he puts us to the test and he wants to see, you know, he wants to see who or what we love more. And he also wants to see if we have idols in our lives that we're willing to lay down on the altar before him. Now, God saw Abraham was willing, and he saw that he loved him more than even his own son. And so, so when Abraham went to do what God was telling him to do, God stopped him and said, no, don't, don't, don't sacrifice your son. Instead, God provided a ram in the bush, a ram in the bush. Now, folks, I got some good news for you. God always has a ram in the bush. Let me qualify that. He has a ram in the bush for those who are obedient to the things that he says. And it was there at that moment that Abraham had that revelation of who God was and who he is. It's there that Abraham first called God Jehovah Jireh, which means the Lord will provide. The Lord will provide. Now, again, I can hear someone say, well, Pastor Rick, what does that have to do with me? And I'm so glad that you asked that. Because the word Jehovah that we said translates into the Lord. The literal Hebrew word for that is Y-H-W-H, pronounced Yahweh YHWH Yahweh which means listen I am or the one who is self or the one who is the self-existent one I am or the self-existent one Now follow me just for a moment because this is exactly how God revealed himself to Moses you remember the story of him and the burning bush and then God was sending him to to be the deliverer of his people. But Moses came up with all these excuses as to why. And then he finally said, you know, who should I say is sending me? Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you ought to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. Now, Now, keep that in mind because God also says something similar to the prophet Malachi, Malachi 3:6. For I am the Lord, I do not change. Therefore, you are not consumed, O sons of Jacob. I am the Lord, and I do not change. Now listen close to how Jesus describes himself after he was accused of being demon-possessed. John chapter 8, verse 49. He said, no, no, Jesus said, I have no demon in me, for I honor my father and you dishonor me. And though, and though I have no wish to glorify myself, God is going to glorify me. He is the true judge. I tell you the truth, anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. And the people said, now, now we know you are possessed by a demon because even Abraham and the prophets died. But you say anyone who obeys my teachings will never die. Are you greater than our father Abraham? He died and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Verse 54, Jesus answered, if I want to glorify myself, it doesn't count, but it is my father who will glorify me. You say he is our God. (laughs) Listen, but you don't even know him. You don't even know him. I know him. If I said otherwise, I would be a great liar. I would be as great a liar as you are. But I know him, and I obey him. Your father Abraham rejoiced as he looked forward to my coming. He saw it and was glad. The people said, you aren't even 50 years old. How can you say you've seen Abraham? Jesus answered, I tell you the truth. Listen, listen. Before Abraham was even born, what's the phrase he used? I am. I am. In the beginning was the word, the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh. Listen, verse 59, and at that point they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus was hidden from them, and he left the temple. Now, my question to you this morning is, why do you think they tried to stone him? What got them so upset that they said, you know what, he has crossed the line? Well, because they understood what he was saying. I just read you the references. He, he was calling himself the Lord. He was referring to himself as the self-existent one, the I am, the one who changes not. That's important to know and important to grasp. In fact, Hebrews 13.8 confirms this, and this is a good one to memorize. Matter of fact, say it out with me. Go. Jesus Christ... Is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Listen to me this morning. The earth may change, and the people in it, and the events surrounding things may change. The viruses and plagues may change. The politicians, Screwing up our country may change. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. But let me tell you something that will never change. God will never change. His son will never change. His Holy Spirit will never change. In other words, he was here before it all began, and he's here today, and he'll be here long after everything is done. I am the God. I change not. Psalms 102, verse 24 So I said, do not take me away, my God, in the midst of my days. Your years go on through all generations. And in the beginning you laid the foundations of the earth, and the heavens are the work of your hands, and they will perish. But what does it say? But you remain. They will all wear out like a garment, like clothing. You will change them, but they will be discarded. But you remain the same. And your years and your years will never end. The Children of your servants will live in your presence. Any children or servants of the Lord in the house today, come on, here's a promise their descendants will be established before you. Selah, amen. Friends, listen to me. I, 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 I don't care what the stock market is doing in, in this regard, whether or, or what's going on in the economy, I, I don't care. I'm glad, I'm grateful for the fact that they're opening things up, but whether they open things up or shut things down, listen to me, the promises of God are yes and amen. So whatever is going on in the world around us, that promise that says, if I seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, he says, all these things will be added to me as well, regardless of what's happening in the world. I am the Lord thy God, I change not. And whatever he was doing yesterday, come on, somebody. If he was providing for his sheep yesterday, he's still providing for his sheep today. He's still doing it today. And guess what? He'll be doing it tomorrow as well. Which is a great way to kind of introduce the next powerful name of God. Jehovah Nisi. Say that with me. Jehovah Nisi, which means the Lord is my banner or the Lord is my Victory, I love that. Now, a banner is a flag that represents a country or a people. It's usually carried by armies into a hard fought battle and it's usually raised like that famous one that we all, that we all have seen uh, of the battle of Iwo Jima when the victory had been won. Let's take a picture, let's take a look at that. There it goes. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's the memorial. And whoever's banner you see raised over an island or a country or a landmass, that indicates who invariably gained the victory. And so if you see a British flag flying over or a Japanese flag or an American flag or an Indian flag, that's usually who gained that victory over that battle. So the question is, Where do we first see the word or the name Jehovah Nisi used? The Lord, our banner, the Lord, our victory. And that, my friends, will be found in the book of Exodus in another crucial battle fought between the Israelites and the enemies of God, the Malachites. Now, who were the Malachites? They were the descendants of Amalek, watch this, and a grandson of Esau. Do you remember Esau, right? Esau was the twin to a fellow by the name of Jacob. And Jacob was the father of the 12 tribes of Israel, whom God renamed him. Okay, so Esau and Jacob were brothers. And for sure, they all shared the same DNA. But over the years, they'd become, the Amalekites had become a fierce nomadic tribe that lived in the desert region of the Dead Sea. And the way they made a part of their living uh, was by conducting frequent raids on settlements and then they would carry off all the booty and you can use your imagination of what they would do. So they would target a group of people who were coming through and they would attack. They were two things. They were a bloodthirsty group and they killed for pleasure. A bloodthirsty group And they kill for pleasure, usually by raid or ambush. So when the Israelites entered the region uh, led by Moses, the Malachites saw this horde of people coming and and they thought perfect opportunity for both pleasure and profit, and they figured they were gonna go after the Israelites. Now, can I just say something? (laughs) The Bible is full of missteps by people who don't understand the concept of touch not the Lord, the Lord's anointed. <laughs> there are people who have totally misrepresented uh, the, the people of God and decided they were easy pickings only to find out to their own uh, dismay and in some cases demise that they made a poor choice that day. Because And in this case, it's the same because this group of of uh, uh, people going through the desert that day, they weren't just a pushover, because not not because of their own strength. Or I mean, they were slaves. Come on, I mean, they weren't warriors. It wasn't ha- anything to do with them in and of their own strength. It was it was because of who their God was. Amen. Come on, somebody. It was because. Their God was Jehovah Nisi, their banner, their victor. And they're going to find out in short order that this target was a mistake for them. And so for the Israelites, uh, a defeat over a warlike nation like this would have been proof, considering that they were slaves, would have been proof that God was with them. And when when the word got out, this was one of those battles that when the word got out, you know, it was something that God used to intimidate the enemies. But not only was the victory going to be remarkable, and that's what I want to talk to you about this morning, how God chose to give them the victory. its going to speak to every single one of us today because in in this text, I believe it provides a blueprint for every single one of us to to gain the victories over whatever we're going through in our lives as well. Exodus chapter 17, verse 8. The Amalekites came and they attacked the Israelites at Rephidim. And Moses said to Joshua, choose some of our men and go out to fight the Amalekites. I will stand on top of the hill with the staff of God in my hands. And so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. And as long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. Verse 12. And when Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it, put it under him and he sat on it. And Aaron and Hur held his hands up, one on one side and, the, and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady until sunset. Verse 13. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army. With the sword. And then the Lord said to Moses, Write this on a scroll as something to be remembered, and make sure that Joshua hears it, because I will completely blot out the name of the Malachite, the Amalek, from under heaven. Moses built an altar, and he called it, Here it is, here it is, the Lord is my banner, Jehovah Nisi. And he said, it's because hands were lifted up against the throne of the Lord. The Lord will be at war against the Amalekites from generation to generation. Now, I need you to listen to me this morning. Like I said, this is not just a powerful picture of a battle won, but it's a blueprint on how we can win against the spiritual Amalekites in our lives. And I say that because... The Malachites in this story represent a generational evil that's constantly worn against the will of God in our lives. That's why he said it's from generation to generation. In one breath, he says, I'm going to completely blot them out. But then he said, There's a generational battle going on. That's that spiritual battle. And so, just like the Malachites, the, the devil and the demonic, you need to hear this, they're a bloodthirsty group. And when I think of the fact that they're bloodthirsty and what's going on in this world today, I, my mind and my heart always goes to the fact that there are, there are some, according to the WHO, the World Health Organization, 50 million babies a year are being aborted worldwide. 50 million a year. That's 125,000 babies a day. A day. In fact, I was watching the news this week and, and, and in our country we had this bailout and they call it the PPP, the Personal Paycheck Protection Plan. And the first one went out and, and it put stipulations on who can get it. Didn't, this was supposed to be for small businesses and any company with 500 employees or more were not allowed to, to grab this money. They found out that Planned Parenthood, dipped their hand into the cookie jar to the tune of $80 million. All this money being thrown around, Planned Parenthood, who is responsible for, it's one of our biggest abortion clinics in, in America, and they have funds, ripped off the American people to the tune of $80 million. And what do they do? Well, they were also deemed necessary. They they closed down the churches, but the bars and the pothouses and, and planned parent abortion clinics were deemed necessary. Now can I just also say this, because they're a bloodthirsty group. If you're if you consider yourself a Christ follower and you support politicians who are for the killing of babies, you need to rethink your position as a Christ follower. Just saying. And so the devil, he, he's bloodthirsty, and the tactics that he uses are, are, are those of, of ambush, okay? Just like the Malachites. The the, the Malachites will lay in ambush and and they would make their living from raids, and so they'd often wait until the brunt of the army would pass by. And when you least expect it, what would they do? That's when they would attack. And that's exactly what the enemy does. He seldom, he seldom comes at you when you're at your strongest. Think about this. What does he do? He waits for you for when you're your, your weakest moment, when you're tired or when you're stressed or when you're, when you're alone. That's when the temptation hits you the hardest. That's when the fight breaks out, and and that's when you reach for the bottle or the pills or the porn or when the thoughts of suicide hit you the most. Again, if that's you, don't do it. I just had a funeral this week in the the community of a young lady who took her life, two small kids, when that spirit attacked her. And, And I always say the same thing. Suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. This too will pass. And God is asking you to call on him. He will see you through this moment in your life. But oftentimes, that's, that's when I would get that phone call. Pastor Rick, someone's back on drugs. Or Pastor Rick, you know, our, our marriage is devastated because someone had an affair. Or, or, or someone's in the hospital because of an overdose. How many know that the devil is busy? He's that spiritual amalek that's still in the world today that we are having this generational battle with. Moses and the Israelites faced a wicked and warlike people. And so how did Joshua and the army gain victory over them? And that's going to give us an understanding of how we can gain the victory over the demonic forces in our life today. Well, Moses and Aaron and her, we know, went to the top of the hill. And from that Point, they could see the battle taking place all around us. And from this account, I've come up with three ways to gain victory in our lives. Number one, well, first of all, Proverbs 4.1 says this. It says, listen, my sons, to a father's instructions and pay attention and gain understanding. And so God wants us to understand a few things. And if the first thing he wants us to understand is we need to understand that there is a big picture. Understand the big picture. For too many people, too many folks, well, denial is a river that runs through Egypt. And unfortunately, it runs through people's hearts and minds as well. We lie to ourselves and we surround ourselves with people who who just won't tell us the truth. Now, how many of you know that we need people in our lives that can see what's going on and have the freedom to tell us what they're seeing? Why? Why? Why do we need people like that? So so that we can gain understanding. Because we have, we will lie to ourselves. We have what I call spiritual blind spots. Those areas where for whatever reason we're not seeing what's coming. And a lot of times we'll have that hard time facing that truth. And so we need people. I mean, we have people, we have here, you know, I have people that they think their kids do no wrong. <laughs> I, have, I promise you, your kids are not perfect. There are blind spots concerning our relationships that, that we don't want to admit. There's blind spots, you know, in every, almost every area where the enemy can, can, can ambush us, he's going to do it because that's the area he's going to hit you in. And sometimes we need help seeing that. Ephesians 4.15 gives us instructions. It says, instead, instead, it says, we will speak the truth in love Growing in every way more and more like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Folks, that's how we gain victory and understanding in our lives. We gain victory and understanding by allowing the truth to be spoken to us. The Bible says, You will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Now, listen to me, let me give you a news flash. Sometimes the truth hurts. Yes, absolutely it it hurts. Nobody wants to hear, you know, a lot of times constructive criticism, but that's what we need to hear. And sometimes that truth is coming from the people who love you the most. It's coming from your wife. It's coming from your your husband. It's coming from a a friend. And and it's wrong for you to just turn it off because God has put those people in your lives so that you can mature and grow into into the man or woman of God he's called you to be. Now, listen to me. If it hurts, good. Good, because that's the pain that's going to lead to the purposes of God in your life. God's got a plan and a purpose, and if he has to take you through that pain, let him. What else, what else, what else did they do when they got to the top of the mountain? Well, the Bible says Moses lifted up his hands, took his staff, lifted up his hand and worshipped toward heaven. Why? Why? Because in that moment, he understood that's where his help comes from. That's where ultimately our help comes from. Listen to me. It may, God may use a, a friend or a family member or, or, or the government to write a PPP check to you or whatever it is. But at the end of the day, how many know it's God that's working it out for you? God is working it out in your life. And in Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 3, he says, He will say to them, listen to me, all all you men of Israel, do not be afraid as you go out to fight your enemies today. Do not lose heart or panic or tremble before them, for the Lord your God is going with you, and he will fight for you against your enemies, and he will give you victory. Who gives us the victory? The Lord our God. Psalms 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes, help me somebody, from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Where does our help come from? From God. It comes from God. And so, and so, and so we need to put our trust in Him and don't put Him in a box. Because oftentimes you know, we've got in our minds, well, this is how God must going to work things out. Well, let me tell you what the Bible says concerning God. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 9. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways. My thoughts than your thoughts. Again, we like to say, you know what? I have this problem. I don't see how he's going to do it. And then we spend the next few days, weeks, and months wearing ourselves out trying to figure out exactly how we're going to connect the dots in our lives. Listen, if we were living during the time of of the Israelites, we'd want to build a bridge rather than waiting for God to part the sea. We we, we want to dig a well when God decides, you know what, I just want to hit that rock so water can come out. We, we we'd plan, we'd plan for a burial when God says, no, this is your day. I'm raising the dead. I am the resurrection and the life, right? Amen. He has the ability to breathe life into a situation, even an impossible situation, if you'll give him the space in the room to do it. Amen. Amen. Sometimes God isn't asking you to figure things out. Sometimes he's asking you to have faith and trust him. That's it. And let him do the figuring. And allow him to connect the dots. And a lot of times those dots ain't going to look the way you expected. But I promise you he's an on-time God. Moses, after a while, understood this. Because as he raised his hands to heaven... And he saw the battle was going the way. Look at that! He looked down at the hill, and, and Joshua was kicking butt over the the Malachites, and the men were there. just the victory was there, and so he thought to himself, "Ha ha, job well done." And as soon as he put his hands down, as soon as he put his hands down, the Malachites started to dominate on the battlefield. The children of Israel. And so he found himself in short order. He found himself that, that, that not, let me raise my hands back up. And when he raised his hands back up, oh, Joshua and the men started to dominate the Malachites. But after a while, he got tired, and his hands started going down, and it started going the other way. And in short order, he realized that he was probably going to miss lunch, he, maybe dinner too, because he wasn't, this wasn't going to be a quick battle. This wasn't going to be a one and done and it's over and let's all pack our lunch and go home. No, this was going to take some time. And then you hear this because there are some battles that we're going to face. That's going to take some time. It's going to take some effort. It's not going to be over quickly. And so when he realized that he couldn't keep his arms up by himself, he understood something. He understood that he needed Help. And along comes Aaron and her. And they grab his arms. First they give him something to sit on. And they both grab his arms and they stood at his side, holding his arms. For how long? Well, let me tell you something. It tells us until the sun went down. But I promise you, they would have held it there for as long as it took for Joshua and the Israelites to completely defeat the Malachite army that day. Which brings me to a third thing that we need to understand. We need to understand that we need each other, that we need each other, and that there are some battles that we're gonna face and fight where God has preordained that it's a battle that two or more agree upon touching any one thing, that's where you're going to find the victory. God has not called you to be a lone ranger in the body of Christ. If you're going to win some of the battles that are coming into your life, you need Aaron's and hers. You, you're you going to need Betty's and... And Dawn's, Dawns, you're going to need the Toms and, and the Miguels. You're going to need the Dillons and the, and the Kevins to come alongside you and to hold up your hands. And people who understand that they're in it for the long haul, that they're, they're not here just to, to, to bail when the, when the going gets tough. People who understand that, that cutting and running is not an option. You need ride or die, folks, in your life. Well, Pastor Rick, you don't understand, I'm tired and I've been doing this for a long time. I'm telling you, that's why you need people in your life. From the clergy to the cab driver, we need people. From, From the president to the police officer, from the housewife to the teenager, we all need someone to lift up our hands from time to time to help us when the battles in our lives get tough. I know when I'm feeling low, when I'm having a difficult time, My wife, Deborah, comes alongside and she kind of reminds me. She reminds me of what? She reminds me of the promises of God. I can't tell you, countless times when I picked up the phone and and, and my own mama got on the phone and and she helped to lift me up or close friends like Diane or Pastor Sean or Miss Shelley, folks folks who come into my life and over the years of ministry at just the right time, God used them to, to, to hold up my hands so that I can continue to do what God's called me to do. Folks, we need each other. And Ephesians 6 details to all of us what we're fighting, and why we need each other. Because the Bible makes it clear that there's a generational battle that's going on. And that battle is going to go on right up until the day God calls us home. That's when we don't have to fight anymore. When is it going to be over, Pastor Rick? <laughs> Just hang that up. And so what God has done is he's provided for us. And He's given. he said there's going to always be these spiritual Amalekites uh, in our lives from time to time. And there will be times when the battle is going to be fierce. But but if you understand these principles, you're going to be just fine. Ephesians 6.10 outlines who that enemy is and what we're supposed to do. And finally, he says, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and against the authorities and against the powers of this dark world and against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms. There's somebody out there too. It wasn't in my notes. You're messing with Witchcraft, palm reading, Ouija boards, um, going to people who read uh, your fortune, that's all demonic. You're opening yourself up and possibly even your family to demonic influences in your life. You need to stop it. Repent of it. Ask God to forgive you and ask to be filled with the Holy Spirit in that life. And God will give you wisdom concerning that but it goes on to say against spiritual forces of evil in heavenly realms therefore verse 13 put on the full armor of god so that when the when, when the day of evil comes you may be able to stand your ground and after you've done everything what does it say to stand and of course if you read reading the text it goes on to describe the text to d- describe what that armor of god looks like but the remarkable thing about that armor is it's based on the Roman uh, soldier's outfit. I mean, let's take a look at that. And so you have the shield, and the Bible says, take up the shield of faith, which is able to extinguish all the fiery darts." It has the helmet of, the, of salvation. Of course, we're supposed to put on that helmet. It has the, the uh, breastplate of righteousness and, and the, the belt of truth, your loins going with truth, and, the, and, the, and your feet shod with the gospel of the preparation of peace. And it had a sword, and the Bible says, take up the sword of the spirit. Take up the sword of the spirit against your enemy as well. But I want you to take note of of the Roman um, armor because all of it basically protected the front of a man. That's basically what it protected. It it protected the person who was advancing. Why? For two reasons. Retreat was not an option. Turn to somebody, (laughs) whoever you're with, say, say retreat is not an option. Say it to the heavens if you're by yourself. Retreat is not an option. That's the first thing. And the second thing is listen, listen. It says, I've got your back and you've got mine. I've got your back and you've got mine. In other words, we are not in this battle by ourselves. How did Moses come to discover God as Jehovah Nisi, the Lord our banner, the Lord our victory? First, first he allowed him to, 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 to go into a battle. God, God allowed Moses to go into a battle, a fierce battle with a bloodthirsty enemy, and he learned a few things. He learned that he had to understand the big picture, and he took that vantage point from the top of the hill, and that not all battles are the same, and this one was going to be unusual. And during that battle, he learned that the battle belongs to the Lord. And the third thing is that we need each other. Because he would not have won that, and God specifically told him, when you get back down there, you tell Joshua, you write it down, just so he doesn't think that this victory was his, but this was something supernatural that was going on that God did that day. Moses, that day, became a living banner for his people to get the victory. And in the same way, Isaiah prophesied that Jesus would stand as a victory banner for all of the peoples of the earth. Isaiah chapter 11, verse 10. In that day, the heir to David's throne will be a banner of salvation, help me, help me, to all the world. That's talking about Jesus. That banner of salvation is Jesus. The victory is in Christ. And it says about him, the nations will rally to him, and the land where he lives will be a glorious place. 1 Corinthians 15, 57 says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the what? The victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Folks, what are you facing today? What battles have come your way, Well Jehovah Nisi is inviting you today to call on him. and just like all these names reflect uh, who God is, but I promise you every single one of them point to Jesus. Jesus is our victory. That's where it starts by submitting your life to him and asking him to be your Lord and your Savior. If you've not done that yet, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in a prayer of submission to Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and say something like this. Heavenly Father, I come before you today. I thank you that in you and in your son is the manifest Jehovah Nissi, the Lord our banner. That in Christ you have declared that you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. That you will change not. And that your love for us is eternal. And that in Jesus, you have given us the promise of eternal life. I humble my head. I mean, I, hum, I humble. I bow my head and I humble my heart to you right now. And I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Say it from your heart. Lord, forgive me. Come into my life. Come into my heart. From this day forward, I surrender all to you. Thank you for being my Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner, the Lord my victor. And while every head is bowed and every eye is closed, if there is a struggle or battle that you're going through, folks, the battle is not yours. If you're a Christ follower, The battle belongs to the Lord. Turn it over to him right now. The Bible says if you cast your cares on him, he will care for you. Lord, we surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. And we all said, amen. Now listen, if you said that prayer with me, we want to rejoice with you. Take a moment and contact us via our website and let us know. Pastor Rick, I pray with you right now. I I surrender my life to Jesus. We want to know. We want to rejoice with you. If if you enjoyed this message, enjoyed this service, uh, tell a friend and share it with someone who needs to hear it. We will see you next week. God bless you. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.